What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with everything from uh, Catholic morality, spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, relationship advice, the liturgical season, you name it, we'll talk about it. After I receive your questions, I will pray with them, talk to other theologians about them, and then try to respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to grow in virtue, for you to grow in holiness. However, here is the disclaimer. I'm not perfect. I might give you advice that might not be helpful for you. If that's the case, if my advice does not help you to grow in virtue and conforming your life to Christ, then please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus in prayer and in the sacraments and in the scriptures so that Christ can give you the graces that you need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques at Ask Father Josh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats that helps other people find out about the show. And you can also share us on your social media pages as well. That also helps people find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially it can become a gift for them as well. On today's show, our topics will be all about Advent and Christmas. We're going to talk about how to prepare well in the Advent season. We're going to also discuss playing Christmas music during Advent. And what is the exact timing of the Christmas season? Is it a day? Is it eight days? Is it longer than that? When does it start and when does it end? All right. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. coffee so good all right first glory story of the day and only glory story of the day is this recently I let go of a a desire a, a dream that has been in my heart for years and when I say years I mean something that's been in my heart since I was in seminary formation uh, back in 2006 so it's been a long time and basically I recently came to a place where I was just content with the Lord. And I said, Jesus, you know what? I'm over it. I, I don't need that dream to come true. I don't need for that particular desire of my heart to be fulfilled. And I let it go. I was like, all right, God, I'm, I'm detached from it completely. And I was really legit detached from it. And in God's goodness, in his providence, the second I let go, the second I no longer held on to that which I thought was something that God wanted for me, when I finally detached from it and let it go, in a sense, the Lord gave it back to me. Um, it threw something I could have never imagined or planned out. And basically, it came back to me um, as an invitation to, to receive. And I thought it was so cool how, that, how the Lord often does that with me. Oftentimes, when I grasp at something, uh, the Lord would not let me um, taste it. And then once I let go, and I really let go and don't need it anymore, that's whenever he gives it to me. He allows me to enjoy the gift. Um, and so I'm just grateful. It reminds me of Joseph and Mary. Um, whenever Joseph and Mary discerned their virginal marriage, at some point Mary came back and she was pregnant. And Joseph, being a just man, he never thought she cheated on him. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. He knew the word of God. He knew the Old Testament prophecies about the virgin who would give birth. And so he recognized that she was that woman who was prophesied about, and he also recognized that he wasn't worthy to walk with her. Um, and so he was going to free her, divorce her, so she could be free to fulfill whatever it was that God had planned for her. 
He didn't hold on to that great gift of Mary. And because he didn't hold on to Mary, God gave Mary back to Joseph with Jesus. And so he received something greater than he could have ever imagined. Likewise, that's similar to what I experienced this past week. Uh, And I'm just grateful for the Lord for allowing me to at least be able to behold the gift again, something that I I wasn't holding on to anymore. So God is good. Glory story 101. All right. Now let's get into some follow-up feedback from previous episodes. We have a follow-up that comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this. Hi, Father Josh. First of all, I want to say what a blessing your podcast has been to me. I first heard you on the Abiding Together podcast, and I've not missed a week since. Ah, praise God. To be honest, after all the news in late summer of 2018, I was heartbroken for the church. Me too. Uh, For the first time since converting in 2005, I doubted the church. You are one of the figures the Holy Spirit has used to console me and remind me that God is in charge and will work all things for good. Your podcasts have also led me to fast and pray on Wednesdays and Fridays specifically for the church. Thank you so, so much for your priesthood and your Ask Father Josh ministry. I just want to offer my perspective on the feminism debate. First of all, I have to say I was a single mother, so from the beginning, I knew I would have to work. I also wanted to break the cycle of poverty in my family as I had grown up on welfare. I'm grateful to St. John Paul the Great and Pope Benedict XVI for clarifying that people like me were not sinning when we worked out of necessity. However, I have to be honest, my son was very much neglected due to my demanding job. He was raised mostly by daycares who did not love or cherish him. I've also had good situations, family and friends, but honestly, nothing can replace a loving mother as a primary caregiver, at least in 99% of the cases. It is also very hard on marriages as a professional CPA. I don't know one couple that doesn't have additional stress when both spouses work full time. This stress always affects the kids. In many cases, one or both spouses become resentful women, especially as honestly most men don't share equally in the household duties. It breaks my heart how often I see this happening. Also, I just wanted to add that as someone who studied philosophy at a secular university in the early 2000s, I have to say that the founding principles of feminist philosophy were horrifying. Just as we can't ignore the roots of Freemasonry, we cannot ignore the roots of feminism. If we can judge things by their fruits, then the fruits of feminism and its destruction on the family, especially evident in the last 50 years, have been rotten to the core. Yes, God can redeem anything, and we can all find examples where it works. But this is a small percentage. Sorry for the long email. It's such a complex issue, and I know I've only scratched the surface. Please forgive me if my tone is not appropriate. I've been really, really working on humility, but I know I have a long way to go. I just wanted to say thank you again. The Holy Spirit has used your show in my life and helped me to grow in more ways than I can articulate. Thank you so much for inspiring me every week as I continue to learn and grow in my walk towards eternity. Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you so much for sharing your feedback, especially on our recent episode of Feminism. Um, you have a, a valuable perspective and your way of approaching this from your experience is certainly one way of, of looking at the topic. And so I appreciate you and I appreciate what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life in this season of your walk toward eternity as you fast and pray for the restoration of the bride of Christ, uh, the renewal of the body of Christ, the reformation of the church, uh, and this season of her, her existence. So thank you so much for the gift that you are to Jesus, uh, to me, and to the rest of the rest of the church, who is certainly benefiting from your prayers and your fasting. All right, let's get into today's show. All 
right, first question comes in from Chris. Chris writes this. Hi, Father Josh. What practical advice can you give to have a more meaningful Advent and truly enter into the mystery of the Incarnation? I know the world has a different way of preparing for Christmas, but all that builds up is simply good feelings and gifts that will probably go obsolete. Also, I'm the only actively practicing Catholic in my family. I want to ensure that my soul is ready to welcome the baby Jesus and make him the king of my life. I don't want to view the nativity as a cute little story, but as the moment where the world and my salvation was born. Thank you for your service to Mother Church. Chris, all right, Chris, that's a great question. Well, I could tell you what I'm going to do this Advent season to prepare um, for the Christmas season and to enter fully into the liturgical season of Advent. I'm going to uh, pray with a new resource that came out with Ascension uh, from Father Mark Toops, Rejoice, Advent Meditations with Joseph. And also we came out with this resource during Advent last year, uh, Rejoice, Advent Meditations with Mary. And so what I'm going to do this year for Advent, which uh, actually is going to start uh, tonight, uh, I'm recording this episode on Saturday, and uh, after my anticipatory Mass, I'm going to spend some time in prayer this evening uh, with basically praying every morning prayer with uh, Rejoice, Advent Meditations with Joseph, and every evening, Rejoice, Advent Meditations with Mary. Uh, Father Mark Toops, uh, when he wrote these meditations, uh, I mean, it's they're profound. I think he's a mystic. I think Father Mark is definitely a man who is rooted in the interior life of prayer. I know he is. I've met him. I pray with him. I've walked with him. He's a friend of mine. I'm inspired by him. Uh, and and I've also been privileged to be able to uh, review these resources uh, months in advance before they were released. And so I, I've been looking forward to Advent season personally so I could enter into this liturgical season um, in my personal time of prayer uh, with this beautiful resource. Uh, the resource provides a, a space of his own reflections, scriptures, psalms to meditate on, and a journal uh, for us to enter into during our time of prayer, hopefully before the Blessed Sacrament, before Jesus Christ um, in the sacramental presence of the Eucharist. So, yeah, uh, that's one way that you can certainly better prepare your heart for the Christmas season, for the Incarnation, for the Second Coming of our Lord, um, is through uh, prioritizing intentional time with the Rejoice Meditations. They're really, really good. I can't say enough about them. Um, they're, they're a gift, really a great gift to the church. Other things that you could do um, are you can listen to, to chant music. You can listen to Taizé. I, I really enjoy certain Taizé songs. Stay with me. And uh, what's that? Wait for the Lord whose day is near. That's another one. And then also you could download a really cool CD from the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, Advent at Ephesus. Uh, that's also something really cool you can listen to in the car um, as you try to grow in holiness during during Advent. Uh, and then obviously uh, prioritizing the rosary, the, the joyful, the joyful mysteries is something that could be very beneficial for you and your relationship with Jesus Christ and in preparing your heart to receive him after Advent during the Christmas season. So Chris, that's what I would recommend you do is rejoice Advent meditations with Joseph and with Mary, maybe jam out to some uh, Ephesus, Benedictine sisters, uh, the Advent uh, CD, uh, and uh, also just, you know, in your own prayer time, uh, prioritize the rosary, joyful mysteries, and some Taizé chant. Really cool stuff. All right, next question comes in from Anna Marie. Anna Marie, she writes this, uh, Greetings, Father Josh. Thank you so much for dedicating yourself to the podcast as part of your ministry. Many times your words have convicted me to dive deeper into certain aspects or practices of our faith. 
and my relationship with Jesus has greatly benefited as a result. I appreciate the wide variety of topics that you address on the show, and I love your glory stories. They encourage me to keep on keeping on, and they remind me to continuously look for God's blessings in my everyday life. Know that I am praying for you and for all your listeners as we journey in faith together. On to my question. I love Christmas music. Look, so do I. And as a professional singer and a music teacher, I often start preparing Christmas theme songs for holiday performances in September, both in my own practice and with my students. I also love listening to Christmas music and have traditionally started listening to Christmas songs in November, or at the very least, singing along with the radio stations that play Christmas tunes at work or in stores. However, recently some Catholics I know, close friends of mine, as well as uh, well-known public figures, have advocated uh, for me to not listen to or play Christmas music much, if at all, before or during Advent season. Instead, they suggest focusing more on traditional Advent-themed hymns, such as, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive, Israel. Hey, hey. I love that song. Uh, or, O Come, Divine Messiah. I've definitely loved incorporating these traditional hymns into my prayer and worship during Advent, but I struggle with the idea of completely ignoring Christmas music, especially sacred Christmas carols, right up until the Christmas liturgical season begins. This is particularly impractical for me, given my current vocation as a musician and a teacher. Do you have any thoughts on how Catholics should approach listening to Christmas music, both sacred and secular, before and during Advent? Uh, thank you so much, and may God continue to bless you in your ministry, Anna Marie. Yeah, Anna Marie, I love that question because I, too, really enjoy Christmas music. Um, but I also enjoy um, Advent hymns. I also enjoy Lent. I think Lent is probably my favorite my favorite liturgical season of the year. Uh, I just, I, I get down with that. And so um, one of the things that I do year round, actually, is I listen to the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles, Lent and Ephesus. During Lent season, before Lent and after Lent, I listen to this CD year round because it helps me uh, to cultivate a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ crucified. It helps me to enter deeper into his passion. I find that for me in my walk toward eternity, I grow in the most profound intimacy with Christ on the cross. And so anything that can help me at any season of the year to enter into the passion of the Christ, uh, I, I will definitely prioritize that in my own personal devotion. Obviously, I would not incorporate Lenten music during the Christmas season or during Advent season or ordinary time, right? Lenten music properly for liturgical reasons is used in the Lenten season liturgically. However, outside of the liturgy, for my own personal private devotion, I get down with Lenten music. I just I love focusing on Jesus Christ crucified. That's how I grow. Other people grow um, in other seasons, in other ways of prayer. Um, some people that I know, they grow in a deeper intimacy with Christ through listening to Christmas music during the Christmas season, which obviously is more than a day, um, but also by listening to the Christmas music during the summer and in you know winter, fall, spring, like the year round, they find different times of the year to listen to Christmas music because they find that for them it helps them to be more joyful, especially whenever they might be feeling depressed or down or being in the navel gaze. Those Christmas songs, depending on which ones they are specifically, right, many of the sacred ones, help them to enter into 
a relationship with Jesus in a very joyful posture, joyful disposition, and they find that it changes their mood, it changes their personality, it changes their their attitude, their uh, their affect. And so, look, if listening to Lenten music or Easter music or Christmas music at any season of the year outside of the liturgy helps you to have a profound encounter with Christ and be joyful or be more rooted in focusing on baby Jesus or Jesus Christ crucified or whatever, then it's fine. Also, you can apply it to your time with the rosary. Like whenever I listen to um, certain Lenten hymns from those sisters, the Benedictines, it helps me also to pray the rosary. It helps me to enter into those those mysteries in the sacred scriptures whenever I practice Lexio Divina. Likewise, the same can be true for whenever I'm praying the joyful mysteries, whenever I'm focusing on the life of Jesus Christ and Mary and Joseph in the infancy narratives. What I might do occasionally at times, no matter what time of the year it is, I might listen to a Christmas hymn as I enter into my meditation on the rosary, right? Because it helps me to pray. So again, subjectively speaking, outside of the liturgy, um, any kind of music, whether it's Christmas or Lenten or Easter or, or whatever it might be, outside of the liturgy, if it helps you to uh, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ, then it's cool, whatever. However, if you find that listening to that kind of music um, outside of the Christmas season, Christmas songs specifically, um, distracts you from being able to enter into the current liturgical season, it actually becomes a barrier for you to enter into Advent season and preparing the way for the Lord and preparing for the coming of Christ, then I would say if that is you, if it does not help you, but actually um, is a hindrance to you, because remember, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it might not be good for you, right? Everything that's good isn't good for everybody. So if it's not good for you, if it's not a near occasion of you growing into that liturgical season as well, then I would encourage you, if you find that that's the place that it puts you in, to not listen to it, to just wait for the actual Christmas season, which is a, it's, it's a pretty long season, right, um, to enter into that, to that music, that Christmas music. So it's really subjective, and it's all about your intentions. Like, when I listen to this music, is it because I don't care about the Advent season at all, um, or is it because this helps me out in my relationship with the Lord, and it actually is a near occasion of grace for me to grow deeper into the liturgical season of Advent as well. So, yeah, I think that uh, that's that. I mean, as far as the radio goes, you can't control what's on the radio. Um, but again, if you find that that music during Advent does not help you to enter into the liturgical season of Advent, then just avoid those radio stations and put on a CD um, or pray the rosary or talk to God during that time. So it's really, it's, it's up to you. It's subjective. It's about what is your intention uh, whenever you're listening to whatever that is that you are choosing to listen to and whatever season we find ourselves in in the church's liturgical calendar. So, Hopefully that was some helpful advice for you, Anna Maria. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And whenever we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about the Christmas season and how long does it actually last? Stay tuned. What if you could go back and experience the very first Advent and walk alongside Joseph and Mary as they prepare to welcome the baby Jesus? Rejoice! Advent Meditations with Joseph is an all-new Advent resource from Ascension. Experience that very first Advent journey through daily meditations in the Rejoice Journal and through a series of short, easy-to-access videos. Make Advent come alive this year. Visit RejoiceProgram.com. RejoiceProgram.com. All right, and we're back. Quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AssistantPress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, and you can share us on your social media pages. That helps other people find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people as well. All right, final question comes in from Hannah. Hannah writes this, Dear Father Josh, thank you for creating such an inspiring and informative podcast. 
My husband and I really enjoy listening to it on long car drives and discussing the topics further together. My question for you is, when does the Christmas season end? I know in the church it officially begins on Christmas Day itself, but it's difficult for me to find a good answer on when it ends. Some say epiphany, but I've heard for years that this isn't the case. Others say the baptism of the Lord, but is that just up until then or the day of since priests return to green vestments that day? Further, I've read that it goes through Candlemas on February 2nd at the as the Alma Redemptoris Mater is used through then when it's Christmas when it's Christmas prayer. Um, could you please enlighten me and other listeners as to which is the most correct? Thank you and God bless. Hannah. All right, yeah, Hannah. Great, great question. I think this is really good because sometimes I think that people uh, think that Christmas is like a day and they actually enter into Christmas season during Advent season and then after December 25th, interiorly, they go back to ordinary season. Reality is this. Um, Christmas season begins, right, begins at that Christmas day, right, at that first mass that we celebrate for Christmas. Um, and, it, and it continues on past the 26th and the 27th and the 28th of December. In the secular world, um, the Christmas season begins on Black Friday and it ends on Christmas Day in the church's calendar. It begins at that first mass that we celebrate on Christmas Day uh, and it goes until the rest of the season. So the Christmas season begins with an active celebration, which means eight days of celebrating, of partying, uh, following the feast um, or the solemnity. Um, and this has been the practice since the 8th century in the church. And it's also a personal policy that I've written with regards to my birthday. I celebrate an active for my birthday every year, right? So for eight days following November 29th, we party and we celebrate straight up. And it's awesome. So right now I'm experiencing the active of my birthday. I'm, just, I'm joking. But seriously, Christmas does have an active just like Easter has an active as well. So following the eight days of celebration in the active, the Christmas season continues until the church celebrates, like you said, the baptism of the Lord. So Christmas season goes from Christmas Day until the baptism of the Lord. And this is the case for people, disciples of Jesus Christ, who follow the ordinary calendar and the extraordinary form of liturgical seasons. Um, so the Christmas season always ends on the feast of the baptism of the Lord in both calendars, Novus Ordo and extraordinary form. Um, and so I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. But I think um, that we can talk about Candlemas, though. So, like, what about Candlemas? Um, and so, I think what I'm going to propose is speculative, and I could be wrong. So, again, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to speculate on why some people assume that Candlemas is still in the Christmas season. So, again, I don't think it's in this season. The season ends with baptism. However, uh, remember, the church is is a she. She's not an it. The church is a she. The church has a liturgical calendar. She has a liturgical cycle, right? So there's a, a cycle of, of Advent and, and Lent and Easter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so likewise, so do women. Women um, are like the church, she, right, female, uh, they have a cycle, right? So they, in their month, they can experience many different things depending on the, the place in their cycle that, that they are currently at. However, to be more specific, there are different seasons that a woman goes through in her life. There's a season of being a baby. There's a season of being a child. There's a season of being an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult, a, a woman. Some are called to be a wife and a mother, and then some um, are blessed to live into their old age. There's different seasons that women experience in their walk toward eternity. 
with their seasons come different seasons of their experience of this cycle as well. A young girl who experiences the first cycle at a young age, um, as opposed to a woman who's given birth to two or three children, her, her season of life is going to be completely different. And based on that season of life, her experience of the cycle is also going to be affected by her age and by her kids or her children. With every birth, a woman changes. And so that season of her life has now changed. Her marriage is different. Therefore, the effects of her cycle will also be experienced differently. And then as a woman ages, there's going to come a point where she's going to go through what, what menopause and postmenopause, all the different things, right? Those different seasons of life will change as the woman changes. And also with those seasons that change, the lasting effects of her experience of the cycle also change as well. So I think that the liturgical season of Christmas certainly ends at the baptism of the Lord, but with Candlemas, which is after that, the effects of the cycle can still be experienced at Candlemas. What I mean by this is that um, the effects of going through Advent and Christmas seasons, those seasons, liturgical seasons, depending on what place the church is in, we are in, like the effects of the cycle can still be experienced. So the, the, the cyclical effects of that season can be experienced in Candlemas, though Candlemas does not actually take place in the proper season of Christmas. Does that make sense? Just like, a, anyways, th this is all speculative. This is me speculating, but I think that that might be a helpful way to look at why some people say Candlemas is in the Christmas um season, but it's not. But the cycle's effects might still be experienced in Candlemas of the Christmas season, depending on where the church is at in her walk toward eternity. Uh, I, anyways, that, look, that, that could be a stretch, and I admit it, uh, but I think that that could be helpful. So anyways, that wraps up today's show. So again, look, let's prepare our hearts by entering into the liturgical season of Advent. Let's prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord and so to do this, what I want to encourage all of us to do is I want to encourage all of us to enter into the sacred scriptures. I'm going to read you a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Ah, oh, powerful word of God. All right, y'all. Spend time meditating on that passage from his word, sacred scriptures, during your time of entering into this Advent season, preparing our hearts for Christ. All right. God bless you. Cannot wait to continue to walk with you toward eternity. I love you, and I will see you next week. God bless.